On this week's episode of The Scoop on Life, we will be talking in detail about the procedure of medical abortions. This episode might not be suitable for our young listeners. Thank you for listening and enjoy this week's edition of The Scoop on Life. Welcome to The Scoop on Life. This is Lauren with you today, and I was just going to talk with you for a little bit today about um, something that I've been recently learning more about, which is teleabortion. And... um, I didn't really know much about teleabortion. I knew that it was an option, and we're going to get into that here in a little bit. But um, I just started with looking up some numbers about um, worldwide abortion numbers. And um, from Guttmacher Institute, they reported that roughly 121 million unintended pregnancies occurred each year between 2015 and 2019. So 121 million unintended pregnancies. Um, They then reported that of these unintended pregnancies, 61% ended in abortion. This translates to 73 million abortions per year. 73 million per year. And that's legal abortions. That's not counting um, illegal abortions and abortions that may happen at home via teleabortion that are never reported the outcome. That even teleabortion websites and reports show that they don't know certain ones because they never they never reported what happened um, with those mailed medications. So, seventy three million um, a year. And so I just began looking up some statistics about okay, how many of these are teleabortion? How many are medical abortions? And um, due to COVID, obviously, the need for telehealth and and telemedicine in general obviously grew exponentially. And with it, so did the service of teleabortion. Um, Women not wanting to go into a doctor's office to see a doctor to get um, the medical abortion pills. And so teleabortion grew. And um, I was, again, looking up to see, okay, how much has it grown? Again, according to Guttmacher, um, use of early medical abortion increased 120% from 2009 to 2018. And that's obviously 2018. COVID wasn't around. Um, but again, they have reported that it's grown even more due to COVID. Um, Melissa Grant, which is uh, who is the chief operating officer of a national abortion and birth control clinic, said that there's definitely been a marked increase in tele- telemedicine abortions since stay-at-home orders were put into place. So... Um, what is teleabortion? Teleabortion is um, a medical abortion um, that uses pills to end a pregnancy, and and these pills essentially induce a miscarriage. Um, the Food and Drug Administration approved these pills in 2000, and since then, over four million people uh, in the U.S. have had a medical abortion. And uh, a medical abortion typically takes place up to 11 weeks of pregnancy. Um, and with teleabortion, again, that access was just easily, you know, it became easily accessible. Women could do a consultation online, um, get the pills just mailed to them um, in light of COVID. However, on January 12th of 2021, so not um, not but a few weeks ago, the Supreme Court ruled um, that women must receive the abortion pill regimen in person at an abortion facility um, and then, qu- you know, quote, putting an end to dangerous mail order abortions um, known as RU486. Um, however, there is one study, um, and you can find this information on teleabortion.org that I guess... Um, coined as a study is still active and even on the top of their website it says teleabortion is currently active recent changes in national telemedicine abortion policy do not affect our ability to enroll and send medications by mail 
Um, and so on liveaction.org, I was reading um, an article that they had posted, and it said that basically the FDA determined that based on its experience and scientific expertise, that in order to safely um, distribute these abortion pills, that they needed to be in a clinic. And it, it didn't deprive women of the, quote, ability to make a decision to have an abortion, which were, um, which was what some, some people were arguing in the Supreme Court ruling that um, it was going to deprive, quote, deprive women of the ability to make that decision. And the FDA said it's not it's not going to deprive them. It's just safer, quote, safer if they if they have it at a medical clinic. And so um, under the frequently asked questions page of teleabortion.org, one of the questions is, is it safe? Um, and we know that they mean, is it safe for the woman trying to obtain the, the medical abortion? We know, obviously, it's not safe for um, the baby that's growing in her in her uterus and the teleabortions website says that the medical abortion, a medical abortion of that kind is 95% effective with 5% of patients needing to have a, needing to have a uterine aspiration, which is a surgical abortion because of a continuing pregnancy, incomplete abortion or persistent bleeding. So saying you may have to end up having a surgical abortion anyway. And they say that's about 5% of patients. Um, but according to um, the British Medical Journal, around 10% of women in that study reported having experiencing symptoms in which they had to seek medical care, whether that was a blood transfusion, surgical intervention, um, or antibiotics. And, and that study was in 2012, um, so it's a little older. Um, and then according to NCBI, their website, a third of emergency room patients that were there from abortion complications were admitted for major incidents, um, but it doesn't list uh, what those what those are. And so, again, on the frequently asked questions page of the teleabortion website, uh, one of them is, how does an at-home medical abortion work? And so this is how a woman seeking to obtain an abortion from home without seeing a doctor, according to teleabortion.org, um, how this would go. And it says... You will have a video evaluation with the study abortion provider over the internet. So basically a Zoom meeting. You will electronically sign a consent form for the study. If you are eligible for teleabortion, the study provider will send you a package containing the necessary medications and an instruction sheet by mail. When you receive the medications, you will take them according to the instructions provided. After you take the pills, you may have some additional tests as directed by the abortion provider to verify that the abortion is complete. You will have another consultation with a study provider to review the results. If you need further treatment, the study provider will help you obtain it. But what it doesn't tell you is that between two of the steps, between taking the pills and what to do afterward, is what what the, the patient will experience. Um, however, Planned Parenthood actually does talk about some of the awful symptoms that you will experience. Not that you might experience, but you will experience. But they, they sugarcoat their wording just a little bit. And so this is actually from Planned Parenthood's website. Um, everything that I'm quoting um, throughout this podcast will be linked in our show notes. So feel free to check them out for yourself. But um, on Planned Parenthood's website, uh, under the question, what happens during a medical abortion, this is what it says. Um, it says the abortion pill process has several steps and includes two different medications. First, you will take the first pill. This medicine stops the pregnancy from growing. Some people feel nauseous or start bleeding after taking this first pill, but it's not common. Your doctor or nurse may also give you antibiotics to prevent infection. Then you will take the second medicine. You'll either take it right away or up to 48 hours after you take the first pill. Your doctor or nurse will let you know how and when to take it. This medicine causes cramping and bleeding to empty your uterus. For most people, the cramping and bleeding usually starts one to four hours after taking the second pill. It's normal to see large blood clots up to the size of a lemon or clumps of tissue when this is happening. 
it's kind of like having a really heavy, crampy period, and the process is very similar to an early miscarriage. The cramping and bleeding can last for several hours. Most people finish passing the pregnancy tissue, also known as the baby, which is interesting that they call it pregnancy tissue, um, and that's a whole other podcast, honestly. But even um, studies done by Princeton and other, other um, respected <laughs> studies like that have shown that fertilization is when... Uh, that at conception is when human life begins. And again, I'll link that as well. But Planned Parenthood says most people finish passing, passing the pregnancy tissue in four to five hours, but it may take longer. And if you haven't seen Unplanned, um, I encourage you to see it. But in that is the story of Abby Johnson, who a former director of Planned Parenthood chose to take um, a medical abortion or have the medical abortion performed at home. And she took the pills and she would very um, explicitly tell you that pregnancy tissue is not what passed, um, that it was very clearly her, her unborn child. The cramping and bleeding slows down after the pregnancy tissue comes out. You may have cramping on and off for one or two more days. It goes on to say you can take ibuprofen. Don't take aspirin because you'll bleed more. Um, and then it says, there's a question that says, how does a medical abortion feel? Um, Planned Parenthood again says, for most people, medica- medical abortion feels like having an early miscarriage. You might have lots of cramping and aches in your stomach. Very heavy bleeding with large clots. Upset stomach and vomiting. Diarrhea dizziness, tiredness, mild fever. Um, and if you actually just look up, you can just Google the side effects of the first two, um, or the, the two pills involved in taking an abortion and combined, there's probably 80 side effects, um, which include things like, uh, uterus rupture and abnormal liver and gallbladder functions, um, reflux, increased blood level uh, of enzymes and um, high blood pressure, low blood pressure, irregular heartbeat, just all kinds of side effects. And so there's a lot of things that these women are having to take in consideration that honestly, Planned Parenthood and teleabortion.org are just making it sound like it's very simple, not many side effects, um, just a few days at home and you'll be, you'll be good. Um, But what they don't mention is um, they don't tell these women what to expect when the abortion isn't complete. Um, but NCBI, their website does, and it, and it says incomplete abortions are most commonly treated expectantly with frequent obstetrics follow-up and serial beta HCG levels. Most of these women will expel the fragments of conception, again, fragments of conception on their own without the need for further medical or surgical treatment. However, in some instances, IV hydration and pain medication may be required. If the bleeding is severe, there may be a need for a blood transfusion. Um, And it goes on to talk about a few other things. Um, And it says, um, there are a number of other complications that can arise after the management of an incomplete abortion that include death, uterine rupture, uterine perforation, um, you might have to have a subsequent hysterectomy, multi-system organ failure, pelvis infection, cervical damage, vomiting, diarrhea, infertility, and or psychological effects. Patients can present with different forms of shock, including septic and cervical. Um, but when asked on their website, asked on teleabortion website, is it safe? They write, teleabortion uses the same evaluation procedures and administers the same abortion medications as an in-person medical abortion. Therefore, if you follow the instructions, we expect that it will be equally effective and safe. Um, they go on to say that there are certain project states where teleabortion is available and some where they are not, but the teleabortion website assures them that if they don't live close enough to go to another state or if they don't live, um, in one of those project states that they may live close enough to go to another state to make it possible. And again, you can basically find all that information under the frequently asked questions page 
on the teleabortion.org website. Um, another thing I plan to link in the show notes is um, an article I found um, on the New York Times about teleabortion. It was talking about the need increasing due to COVID. And one person who decided to participate in the teleabortion study um, is what is who this article is all about. And in this article, she states that she felt compelled to abort no matter how much I hate myself. The article says that when she sees a baby now, she says she still sometimes wonder, wonders, did I make the wrong choice? I wanted to keep my baby, but I just couldn't. I've got a beautiful daughter and I'd really love to have another one, she said, but it's just not feasible for my sanity and I feel like I'd basically be guaranteeing us to live in poverty. On the back of an ultrasound picture, she wrote, never forget why you had to make the hard decision to let this baby go. And then she swallowed the pill. She had Sophia her first daughter, stay at her mother's house and took the other pill, which she said felt like chalk in her mouth. To distract from seven hours of cramping and heavy bleeding, she watched back-to-back movies. It's not like it was easy, she reflected later, but at the same time, it's pretty clearly the right choice. And what's interesting to me is that this article is from the New York Times and it's advocating for teleabortion and how simple it can be in the privacy of someone's home. And yet I feel like you can hear the mother's heartbreak and sadness and making this choice, even talking about how um, she was riding on the back of an ultrasound picture to remind her that um, why she was doing this and that she wanted to keep her baby, but she felt like it was guaranteeing poverty, like the struggle that went into making this decision. And so I wanted to talk about this on the scoop on life because I personally just had no idea, honestly, that this was going on. I knew that, um, you know, male abortions had become more popular due to COVID, but it wasn't until I really saw um, the Supreme Court's ruling and yet how this teleabortion.org was still being able to operate that I was really curious about how it works, um, what the process is. And then obviously hearing from this one woman in this New York Times article, um, hearing her struggle that I just began reading and and researching a lot. And as I've been doing this, um, just honestly, I was really struggling what to do with all of the information I found. Um, It's troubling to me to know that these women who are hurting and struggling um, with such a huge decision decision can make that abortion choice without ever leaving their home, that they can just talk to um, a medical provider uh, over a Zoom call and get these pills sent to them in the mail in the privacy of their home. And that's hard. It's hard to think about that. Um, again, as this woman states, it was such a difficult decision and she doesn't have anyone um, really that she was leaning on and seeking help and, and hope from. And so... I was just, you know, thinking, what do, what do we do? Like as Christians, what do we do with that? And it's heavy, obviously. Um, but obviously, you know, of course, I think my first thing would say, okay, I want to pray. I want to pray for the end of things like teleabortion and abortion in general. I want to have compassion um, on these women who feel the need to do this in the privacy of their home, who feel um, the pressing decision to have an abortion when they see it as um, their best option. And um, that it's not some just blaringly obvious choice for them that it is a tough decision. Most of the time when women are choosing abortion, it it seems like the only option to them and it makes me want to give um, to the work of pro-life ministries, people that are in this fight every day. Um, and there's actually an abortion pill reversal option for those who take the first dose of the medicine um, who then might change their mind. And you can look that up by just searching abortion pill re- reversal and Heartbeat International, which we've talked about before on the podcast, actually has a ministry in this area as well. And you can give to that work. You can give to the 
work that they're doing, you can just go to heartbeatinternational.org and look under the part where um, it says our work and you can see the abortion pill rescue network. And on there, you can see the statistics of chemical abortions increasing. Um, also, you can read stories of women who've reached out to them um, about abortion pill reversal who went on and had those babies. And there's there's personal testimonies and pictures and stories that are just really, really um powerful, honestly, to see these women who took the first dose of the abortion pill and then they decided that they didn't want to go through it. They reached out to the abortion pill rescue network and um, were able to do a reversal. And so check that out. And so pray, have compassion, give to the work of these ministries. But another thing that I've been thinking about just through this last week um, in reading a a book um, by one of our friends that we hope to have on the podcast soon to realize also that teleabortion is is not um, the issue, just as abortion itself isn't the issue. Um, we live in a culture and, and world that denies the value of human life. Um, but as I even wrote that, I thought, you know, that shouldn't really surprise us in a world where God is not revered as God. Um, God's truth doesn't matter. We live in an age of moral relativism. You decide what's true. You decide what's right. And so the reality of abortion and teleabortion shouldn't, shouldn't really surprise us. Um, but as Christians, obviously, believe believing that life is valuable because it is created by God. Um, Every life is made in his image. So rather than trying to win the abortion debate or prove why teleabortion shouldn't exist or being mad or angry about laws or things that are going on in our country that are evil. And those things I think should anger us in a, in a righteous way rather than, and doing what we frankly can't do if you're not a politician or someone with power to change laws and change um, parties is um, to try to influence those in our circles about why we believe what we believe rather than just letting people know we vote for the pro-life party or that we are pro-life. How can we be having gospel conversations that Lord willing will lead to conversion that ultimately will lead to um, change lives and change hearts. And so who around you needs to hear your why behind why you believe what you believe, who needs to hear why we believe that life is valuable. Um, Again, we live in such an age of moral relativism that a lot of people are just deciding for themselves like, Oh, well, I think it's just, it's just tissue or maybe it is a baby, but if it's, if it's the woman's body, then she gets to choose. Well, we don't want to just win the, the, win the debate. We don't want to just get the laws changed. We obviously want those we influence to know um, the why. And as a Christian, it is, it's, it's stemming from a relationship with Christ. And so these are just some things that have been on my heart and mind. We hope to continue this discussion. Um, I would encourage you as our, as our listeners to again, pray, pray for the people that do have um, titles as politicians and people who get to make decisions for us, not only in our state and in our um, nation as they make decisions that pray that they would be a God honoring people who, who can help change um, laws and different things regarding abortion and um, evils that are going on in our country. But for you personally, um, to pray, have compassion for these women, let your compassion move you to give to the work of ministries that are serving these women. Um, And then who around you needs to hear your why? Who around you needs to hear the truth of the gospel that ultimately will again, Lord willing, lead to a conversion, which will obviously lead um, to change lives and change hearts. So feel free to reach out to us. Happy to talk with you today. Um, our email is the scoop on life podcast at gmail.com. Obviously, you can follow and subscribe on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And thanks for tuning in this week. We hope to continue bringing you great content and more speakers as we move forward. And so thanks for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on those platforms and we will talk to you next week.